Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast, episode number fifteen. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe. So I think everybody is on a major countdown to the end of school, right, Matt? Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> I know we've had the countdown going for, for a little while now, but we're, we're starting to get to the point where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I think. Yes, it is that time of year where we are putting the number of days on, you know, on the whiteboard that's posted everywhere and everybody's just on the countdown to make it through these last few weeks. I know in Texas, we still have some testing to get through. So uh, that's also sort of a, a countdown for some of the people around here. Matt, are your kids counting down? Yep, yep. We've been doing that for a little while. And um, my, my wife was just telling me, she's a junior high social studies teacher, and she said she's at that magical point where she just got to the last page of her lesson plan book. Ooh. And she's like, you can finally see that. And you've got the, that page all planned out and everything. And I know some people say, you know, you shouldn't count down the days, you should make the days count. But I kind of think you can do both. Yes, definitely. We want to make this, those days count. But I also know what it's like to be in the classroom this time of year. And every moment can be a struggle sometimes because the kids are ready for summer. You're ready for summer. And I saw something really, really cute shared by a teacher that I know in, in Commerce ISD here in Texas, Stephanie Pullen, the Pullinator, as we call her. She shared this ador adorable picture on Instagram. So she does a balloon pop countdown in her classroom. And so I think she does like the last 30 days and, and you can see the, the picture in our show notes. And so every day the kids pop a balloon. And so it makes it an exciting way to count down. I thought that was really fun. And then secretly I was thinking of what my middle school students would do to all of those balloons <laughs> and, <laughs> because they would be tall enough to reach them. And she's got the kindergartners. So definitely would look a little bit differently uh, in secondary, but it, I thought it was a really fun way way to, to count down to the end of the year. Yes, yes, I love that. And Casey has put a link to that in the show notes if you want to go to googleteachertribe.com slash 15. That is just one of the fabulous things that we have planned for you guys in this episode. We get to speak with 
an amazing guy. We're going to talk to John McGowan. If you've ever heard of GMath before, uh, this guy, John, created GMath. Uh, he's most recently worked on this really great tool called Equatio that lets you do math within Google. And he's working with the great folks at TextHelp. So he's going to have lots of really good, really actionable things that we can do in the classroom with all of those tools and more. We've got some news and updates, including yet another big update to Google Classroom. We've got a couple of things from our listeners and a couple of blog posts. So what do you say we get started, Casey? Let's go. Well, who's ready for some Google news and updates? I think this is some people's favorite segment. I I get a lot of comments about this. And because Google is so hard to keep up with, and there's so many cool things that they add and new features that we get every day. And one of those has to do with Google Classroom today. So just a few weeks ago, they announced that Google Classroom was available outside of G Suite. So you could use a personal account to join a class inside Google Classroom. Well, starting April 26, you can actually do more than join. You can actually create classes as well. So um, that little feature was just added. But a quick shout out on the Google blog to my friend Tony Vincent. So if you don't follow Tony, learninginhand.com. Tony shares many, many tips. And I, I really started following him years ago when we were implementing iPads. He was like my go-to iPad guy. And so what Tony did was as soon as this opened up, he offered a online class using Google Classroom that was free for teachers. Now, it was limited because I tried to sign up for it and I was not fast enough. So um, kudos to co- uh, to Tony for jumping in and, and making use of this because this really does open up the possibilities for the ways that we can now use Google Classroom outside of our own classes and outside our G Suite for education domains. Yes, yes, this is this is huge. I'm already starting to think of the ways that I can use it for professional development. I know for even for like clubs, even outside of the the school realm, I think that there are lots of implications for this. So yeah, definitely this is this is very big news. To follow up on that, another neat option that has been made available to us through Google has to do with Google Plus. And so if you use Google Plus, I know Obviously, Google Plus is Google's sort of social media tool of choice. And it's almost like I, I like to explain it as it's kind of like Google's version of Facebook. And I think one of the best parts of Google Plus is its communities feature where you can go in and you can find basically like groups of like minded people on a wide variety of things. And Google Plus also does a good job of having collections and just just all sorts of places where you can find resources and people related to something. Well, now they're taking it and streamlining it even more. And now Google Plus has this thing called Topics. And basically what it will do is it will take all those collections and communities. And whenever they're all in a similar topic, you could have things like photography or technology or hiking or woodworking or whatever. You can click on this topic and it pulls in all of these collections and all of these communities and basically all of these similar resources. So if you're looking for everything that's available out there on Google+, and there's a lot, and you want to be able to find it in one place, you can click on a topic and you can go find it all there. So I, I think that's a good way for Google to pull in all of these assets they have on Google+, and make them easier to find. 
I totally agree. And part of the the communities that is such a powerful tool is that, of course, this is Google's go to. So if you think that Google Plus is going away, it's not going anywhere. They just added some new features. So I don't think they're getting rid of it. And the communities are truly, I think, sort of the heart of everything. And part of that are the Google educator groups. So if you have never uh, explored the Google educator groups that are communities inside Google Plus, you should go search for those and find the ones that are nearest you. There are GEGs across the globe. I'm a co-leader for the GEG in North Texas, and we have our own events. We have our own ways of connecting. When people have questions about G Suite and other things going on in their schools, they can post that inside the community. And so that's been a great way to connect with other Google-using educators is to use Google+. And so go figure, um, people are talking about Google on a Google platform. So that's a that's a really good one too. And then the third thing that we want to show you, Casey, that one has something to do with a very popular topic out in the theater world and just in pop culture in general right now, right? It does, right? Hamilton is all the buzz these days. Everybody's talking about not just the musical, but it has sort of brought to life um, the the entire history and talking more and bringing Alexander Hamilton's history to life inside the classroom. And so we have a post from the keyword blog, uh, which is blog.google, by the way. And um, so there's some information here. And, and Google has sort of invested some, some different types of things in the Hamilton education program. I think they invested like $800,000. Is that, am I reading that correctly? So yes. Yeah. And um, so you can actually take six new virtual reality tours to explore the important places in Hamilton's life using Google Expeditions. So, um, so the whole, you know, virtual reality, Google Cardboard, Google Expeditions. So we are now connecting this not only to Hamilton, the musical, but to the real life history of Alexander Hamilton and bringing that to life. And so, um, we can take something a little more engaging and a hot topic that happens to be historical and bring it into our classroom. Yeah, yeah. And I love how how Google makes all of these all of these different assets, I guess, um available in the classroom because like you go into the Google Arts and Culture uh Institute, that that whole area Google Arts and Culture, and there's all sorts of things that you can find in there. I know that they've got, for example, a letter that Hamilton wrote to his wife. You've got early printings of the US Constitution. You know, you've got just all of these things that you can go dig into. And I know especially in the social studies world, but this also goes even beyond that, whenever you can get those primary resources, primary documents, places where you can learn firsthand from from the event or the person itself, that those are those are all gold. And so Google continues to give us more resources like that. I know. And that connects us back to what we talked about in episode 14 when we were talking about the Google Cultural Institute as one of the lesser known tools. And so everything seems to come full circle when it comes to Google, right? And the fact that we can Mm -hmm. use all of these tools together. So if you're interested in learning more about the updates that we just shared, please visit our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 15. Well, here on the tribe, we are excited, some might say super excited, to introduce our next guest, John McGowan, who you may also know as the GMath guy. 
John is a certified Google for Education trainer and the creator of the GMath add-on for Docs, Sheets, and Forms with over 11.5 million worldwide users. He has been teaching secondary math for over 15 years and loved to adapt the fail-forward mentality and push the bounds of technology integration in the math classroom. John's passion is to ignite student interest in math by creating dynamic visualizations and using coding to give personalized instruction and feedback to students instantly. His moonshot is to make coding the new calculus. I love that. So, uh, John, we are super excited to have you on today and to talk about what you're doing with uh, GMath and the new uh, Equatio extension that we have. So welcome to the show. Why, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited to be here as well. I love yeah. using superlatives as well. So you'll hear me say that. Oh my yes. gosh. Very good. So I know a lot of times we like to kick this off with the Google Spark moment. So at what point did you start to realize that this whole Google thing could really have a huge impact in, in your own classroom? Uh, sure. So first off, I was a Google fanboy before the my Spark happened. Like I just loved using all the Google products within my own uh, personal life. And I was using Google Docs with one of my seventh grade math classes. And I shared a doc to the whole class using Andrew Stillman's awesome Doctopus. And I jumped in one of the class edit documents and I was surprised to see one of my students who never talks. She, you had to literally put your ear to her mouth to hear what she was saying and you still couldn't. She had no volume. And she was such a voracious typer that I had to walk over to her desk to make sure someone didn't jump on her computer and was typing for her. She was that surprising. And I was just taken aback about how this different medium gave her an entire voice. And it blew my mind. And I, right there and there, I said, I have to figure out some way to get this integrated in the classroom. Um, and so I walked back to my desk, still just like in awe. And I looked down at one of the other individual girls. I could see she wasn't typing. And so I jumped into her individual doc, which was just me and her. And I saw she didn't have any of the problems started. And so I just did a quick comment like, hey, you doing okay? I, I see you haven't done anything. And she's like, I don't know where to start. She typed. And I said, oh, okay. Well, and I was able to do a quick chat with her just in that doc. And nobody around knew that she was asking questions because she was too embarrassed to ask the questions. And I was, again, blown away. Like, this medium is amazing. Like, we were six feet away from each other communicating in silence because that's what she needed right there. She didn't want to answer to raise her hand to get a question. And so I was just blown away by this new interaction, the collaboration and how it gave students another way to respond. And it's just awesome. I wanted to tap into that part. This sort of led to another googly invention that you sort of went with. So you learned how to script, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was gung-ho. I went full in and said, I'm going to do this digital math thing in Google Docs. And then I would take so long to make my math products for them, the problem sets. And then I realized that they didn't have a good way to respond. So I learned how to to script with Google Apps Script and just so that my students could have a way to respond to their math in my Google Docs. And so that was a fun experience in itself because I found out that I had a passion for coding that I didn't know about. And I was uh, learning again on my own. So I was able to also go down that coding realm and be able to teach coding as I was learning. And so it opened up a whole new mind frame for me as well to become a much better math teacher because I was teaching coding. And so that was just amazing for me to be invigorated by a new uh, part of my teaching re repertoire. 
That's awesome. And so it increased your own professional learning and sort of sparked some some new ideas and new passions within you. And that led to the invention of GMath, which is how I came to know who you were. As as I said, you were called the GMath guy. And um, <laughs> all I knew is and John was awesome and he could come up with the, this great add-on that math teachers could use. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about sort of the journey from GMath to Equatio. Again, I was always astounded that GMath even got picked up. Like I made it for my own class and I shared it with some of the people in Singapore and, and then it got shared around through some ed tech team summits. And all of a sudden I got a tweet from uh, Emily Fitzpatrick in Ontario. She's at an Ontario summit and I had, had no idea who she was. And I was just astounded that like it's created this collaborative environment where I was working with someone halfway across the world that I didn't even know. And we were working on the same goal. So um, that was really awesome for me to see that my students that I was teaching are going to need something dramatically different, that they're going to work with people around the world, real-time collaboration on projects they might not even ever meet in person. So that kind of gave me that inspiration to kind of move forward to uh, keep and devote a lot more time into GMath. And so I was still teaching full-time, and I ended up uh, coding for about four hours in the morning. I'd wake up at like 3 a.m., code for four hours, teach all day, come back and do support. And um, So... From that realm, my last year in the classroom, it was like two full-time jobs. I was I just couldn't handle it anymore. And so I was talking to Martin Mackay, our CTO at TextHelp. We ran it. So he's from Ireland, and I was in Singapore at a tech summit and just sitting in the back of the classroom uh, when someone else was doing a session on add-ons. And I was preparing my demo slam, not really even paying attention, but I... The presenter was Jay Atwood, and he said, hey, look, there's John McGowan. He made GMath. And then Martin came and walked over to me and gave me his card and said, started talking about when are we going to make math accessible. And so that was surprising because it was St. Patrick's Day, and I lived next to the Irish Embassy in Singapore, and he was going to the Irish Embassy. And so we took a taxi cab and kept chatting more and more, and that kind of like took me over to TextHelp and down the road of universal design for learning and how to make math accessible for all. And so that's really been my passion for at least the last year and a half is just trying to solve this accessibility problem. It's hard to type math and students have lots of different learning preferences. How can we cater to all of their needs and make their math experience delightful and intuitive? Yeah, yeah. I think that's such an important goal because I know just in general, a lot of people have math phobias, it seems like. And then when you try to tie math into technology, it's like whenever I go in and present and talk to teachers, I have all of these ideas for pretty much everybody. And then there are the math teachers. It's almost like, you know, kind of math teachers are sort of a, they, they have a different set of needs and, and, and that kind of thing. And so I was hoping maybe you can just kind of, for those of us that are not super familiar with what Equatio does and or GMath, if you could kind of just give us in a nutshell real fast what it will do for us. Sure. So the main thing is I want to make the math that the student creates digital because once it becomes digital, then the teacher can consume it in the method they need and the student can utilize all the powers of computing tools and accessible technology and be creative in their thought process using all the powerful tools that are out there. So we want, I want to make it easy. Equatio makes it easy to input math by voice input or utilizing your handwriting. We also introduce some predictions. So you start typing square root, you type SQ, and it populates with all of the uh, 
math objects that start with that. So squared, square root, because it's a whole new vocabulary as well. So it just makes it easier to put that math digitally. And then what also, if you create math with Equatio, it makes it accessible as well. So then we can read it aloud and create that whole 360 experience of math, creating it in the manner that you want and then be able to consume it as well in the manner that you prefer. That's great. And so to, to kind of follow up on that, you know, I, I think back to my own math classes and it's been an awful lot of traditional math. You know, you've got like one through 20, do the odds, <laughs> you know, and there, and there's all of these, these rules and these uh, questions to do. And you go through all the steps. And if you get one little thing wrong in one step, then things are all gone and everything. And I've seen, I've started to see from really good math teachers how that's getting turned on its ear, at least to some extent. So I wonder, just just from you, what direction do you do you see math instruction going in light of Equatio and GMath, but in other stuff to try to make it more relevant and better for kids? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I, there's, I think the real movement in, in math education now is to have relevance to the problems and to shift them from this traditional part. There's so many amazing math educators out there right now that are putting things out to be shared online. There's even like a – it's not a secret community, but there's one that's called – they go by the math Twitter blogosphere. So if you do the hashtag MTBOS, it's like this – cult of uh that's what that is yeah yeah the math twitter blogosphere is just all these people who want to share and they're like this digital math faculty room uh math faculty lounge so you can get amazing lessons and just talk about all these with all these people about how can i change this lesson around like this is how they've been teaching it for 50 years how can we make it more relevant now to our students today and make it exciting and engaging and really get to the core of the understanding of that concept as opposed to do these 20 odd problems because we want you to understand how to solve an equation. Let's just talk about what's the core concept of solving an equation and do some really great engaging activities around that concept. Yeah. And I really like that because in, in the real world, you know, me being a foreign language teacher and Casey being an English teacher, you're like the, the math guru in this conversation. <laughs> but I know, I know for me, it's like whenever I run into math and whenever I realize that I'm doing it or don't even realize I'm doing it, it's not in isolation like it is in so many of the textbooks for so long. So I'm, I'm just I'm really glad to hear that, that hopefully this is the direction that things are going. Yeah, and I think I think it really is. I I like what you're saying in this uh, environment where Matt, uh, Alice Keeler's big thing is like teach like Google exists. It does exist. We don't we have reference formulas. We have these reference things. We don't need to memorize them. There is some benefit uh, to understanding where they come from, but the, really it's how are you going to apply these formulas, not can you memorize them. So we need to shift from there as well. So I think that's a big movement we need to make. So, John, speaking of engaging content, we have also asked that you share a lesson with the Google Teacher Tribe listeners. Could you tell us a little bit about the the lesson that you have shared that they can all make a copy of? Yeah, exactly. So I picked one of my favorite topics to teach, which is generally also one of the students' least favorite topics to learn about. So it's about linear equations and solving linear equations and what does that mean to be a solution to linear equations. And from a really uh, robust point of view, so well, how, does, how can you talk about it from an algebraic point of view and also a geometric point of view and then uh, talking those together? So it's a, read some re- Google Doc resources that they can explore using some different tools. I have uh, made the problems with Equatio and 
if you make a problem with Equatio, the students can just click on it and extract it and work on it with Equatio. So they don't have to copy it down. I've already made it for them. They can just use the work that I started with, which is nice because a lot of errors that I find students make are just copying the problem down incorrectly out of the textbook. True. Um, so Yeah, exactly. And so they can work through those, the uh, few of those, uh, I, it, they get led through a little bit of a discovery there, and then it's connected to some Desmos graphs in there. So uh, it's a really nice way to see the graphical interpretation with an algebraic point of view and a topic that most students really get frustrated by in this algebra because they're like numbers is what I think about math where did this letter come from and so we could talk a little bit about the unknown and so I'm really excited about how you can kind of juice up a lesson uh, that is a traditional lesson from an algebra point of view that every student can do and how to make it a little bit more engaging with the technology. I love that. And I love the fact that you're doing a little app smashing in there, too, that you're bringing in Desmos and some of these other things. So um, I think you have given us a lot to think about. And my mind is spinning. As as Matt said, I, I was not a math teacher, of course. Um, you know, I got into an Uber not too long ago with uh, an Uber driver who was 65 years old and working on his teaching certificate. And he told me that he had no use for algebra. He thought that it shouldn't be taught in schools. And I could not hold my tongue. So, you know, I do see the, the, the value and yes, we have to understand that. So, um, but thank you for sharing that lesson because I think that's exactly the reason why our students need a better understanding of those things and bringing all these tools together and using it to leverage the learning and engage students in new ways. I think you have done a brilliant job with that. And thank you so much for uh, all the work that you've done learning how to script and building GMath for teachers. I think um, there are many math teachers who are bowing down to you right now. And, um, and I, I too will bow down to your expertise here. Um, so for those who are looking to connect with you, John, how can other teachers connect and follow you? Sure. So on Twitter uh, is a really great way to, that you can contact me. You can direct message me on Twitter or follow me on Twitter, and I'm really responsive there. You can also, uh, from Equatio, if you'd leave feedback, and there's a little blue box on, and you, that opens the menu, that feedback goes directly to me. It notifies me when you submit a form response. That's another way you can contact me. So either of those ways, I'm pretty responsive. Wow, great. That's awesome. Very good. Thank well, John, you. thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us some stuff that we can really use and kind of helping us see the the direction that math education is going. And I know this is this is good stuff from <laughs> somebody who who hasn't really dedicated themselves to math. This is uh, this is the kind of thing that I wanted to hear. So thank you so much from, for joining us. Oh, I can't thank you both enough for having me on here. I'm really excited. Thanks. That's great. Thank you, John. So a lot of times in our mailbag, we get to field questions from our listeners, but today we've got a little bit of a little bit of a response. So I know recently we mentioned Sean Else and his students who are doing really neat things with stop motion animation with Google Slides. And so we just recently got a voice message from Sean and his students. So take a listen. Hello, Teacher Tribe. My name is Sean Else, and I teach in Burlington, Ontario. And you featured my class just the other day uh, about the stop motion slide uh, application. And I played the part of the podcast for my students, and they were thrilled. Thank you so much for encouraging me as a teacher and encouraging my students. My students wanted to say a little thank you. One, two, three. Thank you! 
Oh my gosh, that is the cutest thing I have ever heard. Uh, I think we're going to get more of these too. People are going to hear this and they're going to want their students on. So I just love that he put the students on there. That is such a highlight of my day. Thank you. Yes, yes, absolutely. So Sean, thank you so much for that. And then we've, we do have a question today and this comes from Adam Geisen. And so I'm going to let Adam introduce himself and give us our question. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Matt and Casey, this is Adam Geisen. I'm a tech integration specialist in the Triad School District outside of St. Louis, uh, and I'm at Getting Googly on Twitter. And I got a, a question for you about an app we don't talk too much about, uh, which is Inbox. After their recent updates, I have absolutely fallen in love with Inbox, actually to the point where I have a hard time going back to Gmail. Uh, I feel like it's got all the great things like Boomerang. Um, where you can resend messages to yourself. It's got easy reminders. Uh, it's got a real clean interface. I just, I'm wondering what you guys think about it or if you're teaching any teachers how to use it because I haven't been able to sell it to anybody. Uh, but personally, I love it. So am I crazy uh, or do you guys have an opinion? So thanks very much. I'd love the show. Uh, hope to hear it. Uh, what you guys have to say. Thanks. All right. So I totally know where Adam's coming from here. It's like, it's kind of like um, inbox is this this thing that that we just don't talk about very much. And I use it. And Casey, I think you use it too. What do you think? I do. I use it exclusively now, except in training. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, I use inbox for all of my various email addresses. I have them all come into one account so I can check everything in one place. But I love that it's streamlined. I feel like email can be done better and Google's trying trying to find a way to do that. So it is a different approach to email. And I will tell you when it first came out, I tried it and I felt like I couldn't find anything. Like I felt I felt like things were lost and they weren't. It was me. I really had to take the time to adjust. Now, occasionally um, I, I will jump over into some of the settings in Gmail, because those will still apply to inbox. But most of the time, I am completely operating inside inbox. I love that you can snooze messages. So it sort of has that built in boomerang feature, but it's not using boomerang. It's built into the the piece there. You can add reminders. And, and of course, you can mark things as done, which I love that feeling of marking things as done. And my inbox just fills up so quickly. But I love that. So that really just archives. And I'm a big fan of the archive because you know what? People always come back and ask me something and I've got to go find an old email somewhere. But I love clearing it out of the inbox. That feeling is really, really a great feeling. I strive for inbox zero. I fail very frequently at that. But uh, Matt, what about you? Are you using it? Yes, I have. I've used it in mostly in my personal uh, Gmail account. I uh, haven't switched over my ditch that textbook emails, although after you mentioned how you've used it, I may be sort of digging into that. But I know for me, the bundling feature is really nice and how you can go in and you can actually set up some of your own um, bundling rules so that it'll put all of those messages together in one spot. So if I want to go look at them, I can. If it's something that, you know, like updates where I get a whole bunch of things and I don't really want to look at them, I can just clear them all out in one swipe. So yeah, inbox, great thing. Um, I even just recently found how you can save resources to inbox. So it's almost like, you know, saving a, a bookmark to a, a, a website. So, um, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be a really big fan of inbox. 
I do that as well. I do save uh, links to my inbox, and it's really easy, uh, both mobile and on desktop. But I will tell you the reason why I think people don't talk about it. One, it was a long time before they made it an option inside G Suite. So you really could only use it with a personal account. However, now you can use it with your G Suite for Education account if your domain administrator allows Uh it. So that is probably a big part. The second part is Gmail is still tested on the Google Certified Educator exams, not Inbox. So um, I I think those are a couple of other sort of twists on things and and the way you can customize things. And they're still adding new features to Gmail. So I don't think it's a we're moving to Inbox thing. I think there's sort of an option to do Inbox or Gmail. Yeah, yeah. And it is kind of nice to have that. Some people do like the the more traditional inbox where you see every message and you act on it as as such. So so yeah, I, I'm Adam, I'm really glad that you brought this up. It's something that I don't think that I would have thought to 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 discuss either. So um and of course with any of this stuff, if you want to dig into the links in our show notes, you can always find that at googleteachertribe.com slash fifteen. So I am super excited to share this blog post with you today. I have a guest blog post by Heather Kilgore called Eight Tips for a Google Expeditions Pilot. And what Heather has shared is sort of the failing forward process of implementing Google Expeditions on her her campuses in uh, in Commerce ISD in Texas. So I, I just wanted to share that. She bought the wrong devices and she learned some lessons and we want to help save everybody those troubles. So be sure that you check that out. It's also in an infographic there. And then, of course, please don't forget, we are now on the countdown to closing my VIP course to help you become a Google Certified Trainer. It will close at midnight on May 21st. So if you're interested in that, go to becomeagoogletrainer.com. So a blog post I wanted to share with you real quick. The title is, I'm going back to paper and staying digital. And I think I may have um, <laughs> touched on a nerve, maybe in a good way or a bad way, I'm not sure, because I've gotten a lot of feedback on this. And I recently read the book called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. And he does just so much stuff with sketching things in notebooks. There, I mean, there was, there was a lot of his examples, and it just sort of inspired me to get back into notebooks and traditional paper and pencil. And so I started to realize that that doesn't mean that those are mutually exclusive, like technology and paper. And so I started a little bit of a blend where I'm pulling in some Google Keep and taking pictures of some of the, the paper that I've, I've, um, that I've written on and everything. So, uh, that's kind of like my, those are my thoughts and my, my entry into that experiment. And so if you want to get links to those, of course, you can head to googleteachertribe.com slash 15. All right. I think that wraps up yet another episode. So much good stuff here that hopefully you can take into your classes. I mean, we talked about Google Classroom. We talked about some things you can do in in Google Drive and just all sorts of good things. Inbox and hopefully you've got some really actionable stuff that you can come away from this episode with. Yes, and a special thank you to John McGowan for being our guest today. So we hope that math teachers especially enjoyed ways to go a little more digital in the math classroom. So thank you guys for joining us on the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. We will catch you in episode 16. Yeah, I can't wait to see you there. Take care. 
Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. extra chatty today. (laughs) Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. Dot com, and I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.